Life Audio. Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. We have another great show in store for you today, and I pray that you'll find this to be insightful and encouraging for you as a parent and to have lots of application for your family as well. Our words have a powerful impact, don't they? They impact us and those around us both for better and for worse. So today we have a special guest who will help us navigate the world of words, relationships, and the profound influence they have on our lives. Join us as we dive into the wisdom of Sarah Molitor, a wife, mom, and the creator of the popular Modern Farmhouse Family Instagram. Her latest book, Well Said, explores the transformative power of words through authentic stories and biblical truths. Sarah will be our guide on this journey to discover how words can heal, build positive relationships, and lead us closer to the heart of Jesus. Before we dive into my conversation with Sarah, I have a simple request of you. Would you leave a rating and review for the Homeschooling Families podcast on your favorite podcast platform? I would love to hear what you have to say, but I also know that your reviews and ratings help us reach more people with each episode. That's another way that you can partner with us in our ministry to serve and equip Christian homeschooling families all around the world. Thank you so much for your willingness to help. I'm so grateful for each of you. Now, stay tuned. We'll be back after a short break to dive into my conversation with Sarah Molitor all about our words. You don't want to miss it. Hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast. I am really, really excited to have Sarah Molitor with us today. Just got to talk to Sarah for a few minutes before we jumped on and can already tell you that you're going to love hearing from her. She is genuine. Her heart, I'm confident, is going to show through. So Sarah, welcome to the podcast. I am so glad you're here with us today. Oh, I am so honored to be here. So thank you for having me and hi to everyone listening. Well, thank you. And you know, I know that there are a lot of people and our listeners who follow you on Instagram with the Modern Farmhouse family. But for those who may not know you or know a lot about you, can you tell us just a little bit about who you are and, you know, kind of what stage of life you're in. What does life look like for you guys right now? Yeah, I have been married to my husband, Tim, for 14 years now, and we have seven kiddos and they range in ages from 11 all the way down to our littlest one who is seven months old, which is kind of crazy for me to think about. So I feel like our toes are dipped in, you know, not all the stages, but enough to keep us busy. You know, we've got that kind of like growing older and exploring new things. And then we have also like the three-year-old who's also exploring new things, but in very different ways. So it's really fun at any given time. Our house is, you know, a mix of Hot Wheels cars and, you know, cool YouTube tricks and all the things. I feel like my brain is sometimes scattered in that. But one thing is constant and that is that we go through a lot of food. So with seven kiddos, our grocery budget (laughs) is a lot. And that's you know, I feel like I'm just like loving everything about this season in so many different capacities. Oh, I love that. And I'll tell you as one that's a little farther down the road, 
We said that about every season, like every season. You think, you, you're sitting there and you're like, I'm going to grieve when my babies aren't like this. And then you're yeah. like, oh, no, this is even cooler. And <laughs> you know, now we've got adult kids and that's even cooler still. And so just savor and relish every moment that you're given with your family because every season is absolutely the best. You're going to love it. I love that. I told someone the other day, I said, I feel like with my baby, because it's probably our last being in this season of like, Time slow down, but also I am totally loving every single milestone she is hitting. And so it's all joy, like however you slice it. Yep, it really, really is. Well, I know that you have written, we were talking before, you've written some children's books and we're going to talk primarily about your new book that's coming out, but I would really love for you to tell us a little bit about your children's books as well and maybe give us some insight as to why you chose to start be writing or start becoming a writer. Why did you become a writer? It's uh. Yeah, it's one of those things that totally was a dream, but kind of a latent dream. And it fell into my lap. And so one day I got an email and they were like, have you ever considered writing a children's book? And I was like, actually, I have. I would love that. It's just not something that was at probably the forefront of my mind in that season. And when I met with the publisher, they you know threw out different ideas, different options, and kind of sat on that. And they said, let's meet again. And so I'm in the shower where all good ideas come from one day. Absolutely. And I had literally just found out I was pregnant with our sixth child that morning. And I'm like taking a shower and I'm just mulling on all these feelings and all these things. Haven't even told my husband, you know, he's at work. I just found out I'm thrilled. And these four words popped into my head. I grew with you. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. And it rhymes. And I love rhyming. Like that is like something I absolutely love. And so when I met with the publisher again, I just said those four words and I said, what if we wrote a book about pregnancy and the mom like growing, but it's for children and it's in a relatable, fun way that like children can connect. And so that's where I grew with you came from. I literally grew with the book as I grew with my pregnancy of my sixth child. And it came out kind of at the same time he was born. And that was really, really special. And then before I even had him, another idea popped into my head because some like friends on Instagram had said, like, we love bright colors. We love fun animals. Like, could you ever write a book like that? And so I had the idea for the song that goes on and on and on and on to write that about just joy and how we all carry joy. We all carry a song that the Lord's given us and how we can share that. So it starts with the animals. It ends with kids and a sweet message. And that one came out a year later. And so writing children's books has just, that's been a fun, fun outlet for me. And who knows if another one's in there? I'm not sure yet, but we'll see what happens with that. Well, that is so awesome. And then you have gotten the opportunity to write a book for, not children, a book for adults. How did that come about? Kind of the same way, oddly enough. Like you get these emails and I almost marked it spam because it said hello. And I was like, that's weird. Like no one just says hello in their subject line. And I joke with my publisher now, like, why did you put that as the subject line? But that was an email and they reached out to me and they just said, have you ever considered writing an adult book? Which again was probably something that was real deep in my heart, not something that was at the forefront of my mind, but definitely a dream and a desire. And that one took a little bit more thought because that's a commitment. Not that a children's book isn't a commitment, but I mean, when they say things like 80,000 words, 65,000 words, you're like, do I even have that many words? I don't know. (laughs) And this whole process of this has been such a, I guess I didn't expect it to be a refining process. I thought, you know, you're just going to write. But there was a lot of 
healing and refining and just things done in my heart through the writing process that I didn't even know that the Lord still needed to do in me, but he absolutely did. And so it's been really special and totally on a different level because you're really deep diving into raw places. I write very conversationally when you read it. I feel like you, if you listen to me, you'll be like, oh, she just talks like she writes. And so you'll hear just very conversational, raw type things come out of that. And through sharing that, it's a bit scary because you're like, okay, now everyone's going to know. But I think that's also the cool part because sin wants you to keep things hidden. Sin wants you to keep things in the dark. And so when they come out, when people see them, it not only brings an element of people know your story, but it brings an element of, oh, there's like hope in that and there's redemption in that and there's Jesus written all over that because the person I see of Sarah now isn't the person she's saying. And so like something happened there. What is it and what was it? Yeah, well, there's such an exposure that happens when you are opening up in that way. I was shocked by that when I was asked to write because that's the most unnatural thing on the planet. And yet I love how you noted that there's such redemption in that. There's such grace in that. God works unbelievably through that process. And I am I was just really, really thrilled to hear you say that. Now, the book that you wrote is called Well Said. I'm very excited to have my own copy here. But it's all about choosing words and giving grace and strengthening relationships and strengthening your faith and so on. What was the catalyst for you to choose a book about words for your book here? Yeah, when I was growing up, I have been, my parents laugh because they called me Flash when I was born. But from the moment I came out, they were like, you were talking, you were talking, (laughs) and you were talking nonstop, and you were talking a million miles an hour. And we were like, I'm the fourth child out of four. And they were like, we had never had a child that talked as much as you. And you just were like the energizer bunny in your words. And in that, I so appreciate my parents because although I'm sure that's frustrating because I laugh now, I have a kiddo who's a chatterbox and I'm like, oh my goodness. And my mom's like, yeah, and he doesn't even hold a candle to you. But (laughs) I'm like, okay. So I think they really looked at that and they were like, okay, we have this little girl who talks a lot and it is overwhelming sometimes, but that's also a gift. And how can we train that? And so I feel like I look back on my childhood, love my childhood, have like the best memories, but I do remember a lot of training and discipling in using my words and not using my words because I just could go a hundred miles an hour. And so my parents were like, how can we rein this in? But also how can we let her use it and train her to use it? the way the Lord wants her to. And so that was the childhood kind of like beginning. And then words just were very natural for me. They always worked for me. And then one day in my marriage, not one day, a lot of days, I started using them to work for me in a maybe wrong motivation, in a wrong way. And I started using them as leverage and using them as I'm really good with words. You're really not good with words. So I'm winning. And I say it in the book once, but I'll say it here. The more I won with my words, the more I lost. The more things started going downhill, the more things started just really stinking because I was not happy. And really, the words were just a symptom of things in my heart that were going on. There was discontentment, there was bitterness, there was resentment, all for I moved away from my family. 
I'm not living where I want to live. You know, I have the husband of my dreams, but I want this and this and this too. And I want what I want or I'll throw a fit. And I threw a fit with my words. So everything of well said really stems from that. And it stems from those moments in marriage where my pit got bigger and bigger and bigger until I was either going to stay in the pit or find a way out. After a short break, we'll be right back to talk even more about this. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, there's so much in what you just said, because I think so much, so many of us struggle with that. We struggle with too many words. In fact, I, in one of the sessions that I do to speaking on marriage, I talk about how when I get nervous, instead of listening, I just talk more and more and more. It's like, I just get so worked up and I'm just, it's like, I just have like regurgitation mouth, you know, and you can't take back what comes out. And so as you are just flowing these words without the thought and the grace to actually fashion them and speak what is good for the moment, as Ephesians tells us, there's so much danger there. But I love how you you don't just shine a light on the things that are dangerous, but you shine a light throughout on the things that are so hopeful and how we can use our words so powerfully. In fact, at the beginning, in the introduction, I wanted to read exactly your words because you say that your hope, or my hope is that this book will show you what it looks like to pursue freedom, grace, and redemption in the area of words and communication. My life is still littered with moments here and there where my tongue gets ahead of me and I say something I shouldn't. But the good news is I don't have to stay there and neither do you. Is that really your hope for this book that those who read it will see that, you know, even where you have these stumbling blocks of speech, where you are so quick to fall into these patterns, you don't have to stay there. There is a way forward, a way out of these habits. Yeah, I think there's a really heavy, worldly, even I almost want to say mindset of staying stuck. And there, we almost want to glorify that. Like we almost want to glorify the fact that we've made up our mind and we're not going to change it. And change your mind would maybe mean like, weakness in some sort of way, you know, like, oh, you changed your mind. You're so floppy or you're so, you know, but I think if we look at it through the lens of the Lord change, I mean, change is biblical, renewing, transforming. Romans talks about that. That's a biblical thing that we're called to do as believers and we're called to do it all the way to heaven. Like, you know, if there's ever a moment in my life where I'm not moving forward I think that'd be a moment I'd want to say, Lord, is there something I'm missing? Or like, is there something I should be working on? That doesn't mean you can't have a thriving season. Like right now, I would say that my husband and I are in a really sweet season. We're in a season of like thriving. We've had seasons of not thriving. And so that doesn't mean all is well, all is good. You're not doing anything. It just means that maybe the Lord, you know, you're starting to see some fruit of what the Lord has done in your life earlier. I'm starting to see the fruit of those early marriage years 12 years ago. So 12 years later, I'm seeing fruit of what the Lord's done and the hard work that we had to put in. So I think the world wants to tell you, stay stuck in your ways because it's your choice. It's what you want to do. It's just, you know, you do you. That's the thing. And and that's not the way God operates. He doesn't want us to stay stuck. And then the flip side of that is that people maybe don't want to stay stuck, but they feel stuck and they don't see a way out and they don't know a way out. And so to have people around you, whether it's mentors, whether it's accountability to say like, 
no, that's not the way it has to be. Maybe it's your spouse. Like for me, it was Tim who said, it doesn't have to be this way. That's not who you are. Even just a week ago, darn it. I was saying something to my kids and (laughs) Tim was like, that's not you. That's all he said. He was like, that's not you. Just stop. And I was like, yeah, okay. No, that's not me. That's not what I want to be. I don't want to go back there. So when I say like still littered with moments, that's literally what I mean. Every day I'm in this battle, but I know the alternative. I've walked out of the alternative and I don't want to go back there. So I have the tools and I'm able to put into practice things that I know have worked for me to not stay stuck. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) As you were talking about Tim reminding you of that, I was reminded We pray and we disciple our kids and we, you know, we try to pass on all of these principles to them about speech and and otherwise. And that I remember one time when I was really, really irritated about something that had to do with my older son. And I don't know what I said, but I was very snarky, very snappy because he looked at me. It was probably 13, 14 years old at the time and really, really sweetly said, well, that wasn't very kind, was it, Mama? And just walked away. And he wasn't being ugly. He's He had heard me say that so many times. And God used that so profoundly in my heart to say, first of all, thank you, Lord, that this is sticking. You know, they are listening. They are getting it. But that wasn't kind. And it's so awesome how God brings all of these people around us, whether it be our husbands or our children eventually in their sweet, innocent way that can just point us back to him. And that's such a gift and a grace that he gives us and just showing how much he loves his children, that he won't let us continue down that path of doing our own way, like you noted. Rather, he puts a lot of things in our way to try to turn us back to him. What a wonderful grace it is. Yeah. And I love that you said that because one of the things that I've gleaned along the way is that when I include my children when I include my husband, when I include anyone, you know, in what I'm learning, I just think it's so cool to see the exponential effect of like allowing family to be a part of it. And that doesn't mean, I mean, I think there's a fine line because, you know, you don't just bring everyone in on your struggles for every single struggle, right? And like, there's an appropriateness even for children, right? Like I'm not going to conference call them in for like our marriage problems and bring my 12-year-old or my 11-year-old in. But there is a level where you can say, hey guys, like, I've noticed we've all been using these words, like, let's say like annoying, like my kids or my, okay, here's one that my kids love to use. Like, you're so rude. Like they love to say, you're so rude. And I hear that a lot. And I, and one question I ask them is, is he rude? Is that who your brother is? And they'll be like, well, no. Is that who God says your brother is? No, that's not who God says he is. Okay. Like then let's not let our words reflect that. But when it's a family issue and I notice it a lot, one thing I'll do is I'll bring our kids in and I'll be like, okay family meeting, we have noticed that we are hearing this a lot. Mom included, dad included, like we know where you hear it probably from us. That's not what we want to model for you. So for the next two days, we are going to focus on this, like not saying this. If you catch someone saying that, just kindly remind them like, hey, we're working on not saying that. And wouldn't you know it? I'm usually the first one that like my son comes up to and he's like, uh, mom, I don't want to correct you and I'm not trying to like get in trouble, but like I heard you say this and you said we're not supposed to be saying that. And I'm like, ah, of course it's me, like always the first one. But what I want to say in that is just when you bring family in on that, it makes them want to be a part of something bigger. It makes them want to be a part of the growth. And when they're a part of the growth, 
there's more, hear what I'm saying here, buy-in, not because you're trying to convince them, but there's more buy-in to that character concept. They see the fruit of it, so to speak. And they're like, oh, I see how that makes me better. I see how that makes mom better, dad better. And I want to be a part of that because it's a part of our family. And I want that to be a part of who we are and who we're marked by. Well, yeah, they take an ownership of it, which is so powerful because that's really helping them make these concepts part of the foundation of their own faith, that their own way of setting up their lives. You know, even with your example about my brother is so rude, I was thinking how often in marriage we have these conversations where we just like broad brushstroke stuff. And our spouse will react to that. Well, by helping our kids learn really the the power of not doing that, the fallacy of doing that, we are right there with our little 10, 12-year-olds preparing them for these really deep relationships that they're going to have with their spouse one day. And so we can't even fully grasp what God is doing through those little discipleship moments, those little conversations, shepherding hearts, refining their speech that we're doing day in and day out. Yeah. And I feel like I'm, I mean, you're on a lot farther in than me on this, but I feel like I'm just starting to see like snippets, right? Of this like gleaning. We live in a really like private area and I had to drop my son off in the golf cart to soccer practice, like literally across the street. So I left my 11-year-old, um, the baby was sleeping, and I said, I'm just going across the street. I'll be back in five minutes. I'm just going to leave. You know, she's sleeping. You stay here. And maybe it was like 10 minutes. And I got back and I said, how did it go? How did you feel? You know, did you do fine by yourself? And he said, yeah, I did good. He goes, there was a moment where I was a little bit scared of being by myself. And he said, then I remember that first you had told me about like, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And he's like, I said that three times. And by the third time, I was feeling a little bit better. And that to me was like, Lord, thank you. It's sticky, you know, and I'm sure you've had so many more moments of that. But for me, I feel like I'm just on this cusp of like starting to see some of these things flesh out. And it makes like those moments make me want to do it even more. I'm like, oh, you got a glimpse of it. Okay. Like we're going to keep going in that. And it it motivates and encourages me that that's working. Lord, you're working in the hearts of not only me, but my children, like help me keep it going. Don't let me stop. Oh, absolutely. One of the things that we talk about a lot with the heart schooling concept that we talk about all the time is you need to relish the adventure. You need to actually pay attention to what God is doing because as you are really keying in and allowing yourself to be grateful for those little milestones, whether it be academic or whether it be spiritual or just maturity or relationships or whatever, when you actually are focused in on those things, God strengthens your faith so much. Just like you were saying, where you're like, I want to do more of this. I want to really, there is life giving power in seeing That all that labor that you've done, all the conversations, the time in the trenches, you start to see it take root and you would do anything from that moment on to make sure you're reinforcing those things. And so, yeah, just staying in those moments and asking God to not let you miss what he's doing, just really being keyed into the work that he's doing in their hearts is a really powerful motivator for parents. But then it also brings a lot of joy to your family because as you are more motivated and joyful, that really trickles down so much. So yeah, it impacts everybody. I love that. That was so well said. Well said. Good job. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. 
Now, I want to kind of shift gears just a little bit here because Well Said also addresses the challenges of using our words to forgive and reconcile differences. Can you give us a little bit more insight on how your book offers guidance and practical advice for those who may be struggling with forgiveness and reconciliation? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the hardest parts, isn't it? Like you come to this realization, I came to this realization that this isn't working, something has to change. And people want to say, you know, what's your first piece of advice or your best encouragement? You know, and you want to say, don't stay stuck. But really, the very first piece of advice should be forgiveness. Like we can't, you can't go anywhere if forgiveness hasn't been met. If there's not, you know, kind of an agreed upon, like, I understand that I've been hurting you. I understand that this has been happening. And really, God can't do what he wants to do in our hearts. He couldn't do what he wanted to do in my heart if I can't start with forgiveness because I can start all the habits to change and do all the things. And, you know, you can train, you can teach a horse to, you know, whatever, like all those sayings, I want to get them right, whatever, you know, we don't even (laughs) need to say I'm right. But if the forgiveness piece isn't there, all of those will falter when push comes to shove and it happens again. So for me, that had to happen first. And one of the things that I work on with my boys a lot, because it's affected me, is that when you ask forgiveness, verbalizing and using your words to acknowledge what has happened is so important. So, you know, if my child is saying, well, I won't even give it a child example. I'll use my example. If I go to Tim and I'm saying, sorry, I'm sorry. Like he'll, and he just is like, I forgive you. Like that is just so, like you can almost hear the emptiness as I'm saying it. You can almost hear that there's just nothing to it. So for me, what I had to do is I really had to say, and I don't even want to say like, oh, I humbled myself like because that sounds really self-righteous. It was not. It was very painful. But I had to really say, I know that I have not used my words well. And I know that I've said blank, this, 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 blank, this, this, this. And I had to almost list them out. And that was painful, a good type of painful. And I want to encourage people in that because that's not to make you feel shame for what you've said. God is not a God of shame. He is not out there to say, yep, hear it again. Listen to what you did. Yep, hear it one more time. It's listing it out to recognize what you've done, to hear it out loud with your own ears and hear what it sounds like coming out of your own mouth in a calm environment, you know, once everything's blown over so that you, so that I, I know I'm going to say you, don't want to go back there again so that you hear it and you're like, ugh, yuck. Like that is gross. It's disgusting. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back to that sin. It tastes gross. It doesn't sound good coming out of my mouth. So when I listed those things to Tim, it literally felt like that. I was like, oh, like you said, regurgitate, like word vomit. Like I do not want that to come out of my mouth because it's just even yucky coming out of it now when I'm repeating it. And so when I said that, when I asked forgiveness, it one, it told Tim that, hey, I'm accountable for all I did. Like I hear it, I'm saying it, I'm seeing it, I'm recognizing it so that he could hear like he's valued and he knows that like I'm taking accountability for what I say. And then two, it verbalizes it so that I don't want to go back there. And I think both things happen in forgiveness. And then three, it gets it out in the open because like I said, sin does its best work in darkness. Like the devil does his best work when things are hidden. So when things suddenly aren't hidden, can I just tell you, Leslie, that that day, I'm like getting goosebumps thinking about it. When I did that that day, I can still remember the feeling. Our house felt lighter. It was almost like 
everything was out and nothing was hidden, which it had been for so long for me. I kept it in. I was a good Christian. I knew what to say. I knew how to speak. Even when things weren't going right, I could put on a good face. But when those words came out, it was almost like someone had opened the curtains to our house and had been like, there is no more darkness here. Like there is light. And it just allows everything to be brought out for God to do his best work in that moment. And it didn't all happen that day. It took months and months and years and years, and we're still working on it. But it opened the door for that process to begin. And that was probably, I would say that was one of the best things that could have happened and the best things that could have done. And I still feel that. Oh, and it feels so good when things come out in the light and they're not hidden. It just feels so good. Well, it also builds a a trust because, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, there's an element of casting your care on the Lord in doing that. You are throwing, you are getting rid of those things, you know, specifically as you were talking, you're trusting your husband with acknowledging those things. It's not like they weren't there, but you are trusting that you guys can work through it when you acknowledge it rather than living in denial of it actually being there. But you're also casting those cares and allowing the grace of the Lord to cover all of those situations. And you even alluded to it, that the freedom that comes with that, the the lightness of spirit that comes with that is just hard to quantify. And it's hard to explain to someone who is still carrying around that load that God doesn't want them to carry. So there's an element of trusting in that forgiveness that truly does usher in so much grace and so much peace that impacts everyone that that is around you, really. Yeah. And I mean, it's just what you're saying. It's laying it at the feet of Jesus. It's throwing your crown at the cross. And have you ever seen that movie, The Pilgrim's Progress, the animated one? Mm -hmm. Yes. There's that one part of it where Christian is climbing the mountain and his burden that he's wearing is like so big. And as he climbs, like it just it's like an animated movie, but I still cry. As he's climbing this towards the cross, towards Jesus, you know, the burden's getting heavier and heavier, but the straps are starting to break and it's starting to fall off the closer he gets to Jesus. And I just envision that the more we bring things into the light, the more leverage the Lord has to give us freedom in that area. And so, you know, it'd be easy to say, well, I'll just kind of throw a bone. I'll just do this one thing. Like, let's just work on one thing at a time. But Let me tell you, like, just dump it, just dump it all out there. (laughs) Just get it all out there at once. So the Lord can like take it all and do his best work in that for you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I love the illustration of Christian and that burden falling off because that was beautifully spoken. One more topic I really want to dive into with you before we run out of time. You have a massive following on social media And yet you also are aware of kind of the pitfalls and the dangers of social media. And you touch on that in your book. What would you say to those who are listening in about how they can safeguard or or be careful where social media is concerned? I think you can never be too careful. I am very aware. I think I am very aware and I'm very overcautious, not only with my own children, but even with myself. It's not just about growing thick skin. I think that's a a thing people will say like, well, you just grow thicker skin. Like, no, that's not it. I think you almost walk on eggshells the whole time. And you don't do that in a non-confident way. Like I walk in who the Lord has me to be and what he's called me to do and what he would have me say confidently. But I walk on eggshells in the sense of, I know that not everyone on the internet has my best interest at heart. (laughs) I know that not everyone 
cares about me and my family like I care about me and my family. I know that not everyone is going to take everything I say and going to put it in the best light. I know all that, but I'm called to please the Lord. I'm called to honor him in what I do and say. So there's a couple bits there. One, being called to please the Lord and not man. So you're going to do what he's called you to do, right? But you're also going to do it with a wisdom filter. (laughs) You're also going to do it through a lens of like, hey, Lord, would you have me say this? So for me in my life, a couple things I've noticed on social media is that there have been times I've wanted to say maybe something that's really encouraging, like totally like that I would say like, this is encouraging. This isn't going to hurt anyone. It's only going to help them. It's not politically motivated. It's not anything motivated. It's just a pure encouragement. And sometimes I'll be writing that encouragement out to share on social media. And for some reason, and I know the reason, and we'll, we'll say that, I just can't get my words to say what I want them to say. And it's not making sense in my head. Now, the times I've just kind of pushed through that and posted them, I haven't settled. Something hasn't settled in my spirit about what I posted. And that is the Holy Spirit. And that is what I've learned, and I had to learn because I didn't do it at first, was a Holy Spirit nudging that, hey, maybe this isn't what I want you to say. And maybe it's one, not for this time, not for this season, but maybe he just doesn't want me to say it at all. Maybe it wasn't meant to be said. And I have to lean into that and learn that and know that and listen to those nudges. Because when I do, usually the response is not what I was hoping. Maybe people give feedback. Maybe people are like, that seems a little off. And so the longer I've done it, the more I've learned to lean in those nudges because I know that the other side of not leaning into them is usually not good. And the more I've even asked as I'm writing things like, Lord, is this what you would have me say? Is this how you would have me present it? Is there anything that you would have me not say? Because maybe we won't ever know the reason. Maybe we'll never know. Maybe it wasn't about encouragement, but maybe there was someone out there that it would have caused to stumble or would have caused to question. And I won't know that on this side of heaven. Only the Lord knows that. But I still have a responsive heart to listen and to say, okay, that's if that's not working out and that's not for this moment, it's not for this moment. So for social media, I would say there's just an element, a huge element of having to ask the Lord for wisdom in everything we're doing, whether that's letting your children on social media. And I'll be so bold as to say, just don't do it because it's just not worth it. So just don't do it. But there's just a wisdom filter of even like who you're following, what you're giving your time to, how much time you're giving to that. Because when my children are sitting next to me and I'm scrolling my phone and I accidentally scroll on a video that says something that I'm like, you know, cover your ears. Am I following someone that maybe fell into a category that I shouldn't be following and I need to unfollow? Maybe they're not bad, but maybe they're not good. Maybe it's just not right for what I'm doing. And so, and even on to that end, I think of that on the opposite end. I'll even think, and I mean, people don't even care and they may never notice, but I care. Like even songs I'll use in backgrounds of videos, I will go so far as to go on Google and Google that song and Google the lyrics real quick and scan the lyrics because there have been times where I'll use a song that the chorus sounds innocent and there's something in a verse that's not so innocent. And I'm like, oh, glad I didn't use that or whoop, should have checked that. You know, you learn the hard way, say that I learned the hard way and then I do it, try to do it better for the next time. But you can just never be too cautious with social media. There's so much out there. There's so many people out there that please, 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 I would beg of parents from what I know, and I'm not going to call myself a guru, but I think 
I know a little bit more just by having a platform than the average person. You are not going to over helicopter, be over cautious in any regard. Like you are not going to, I promise you that you're not going to get to the other end and say, oh, I was too much in that. No, social media, you will never be too cautious in that area. So I would implore parents just to be aware, do your research, and then just say no. (laughs) And then just say no to it. (laughs) Absolutely. And you you can't undo damage that is done to your kids through hurt feelings or exposure or whatever it may be. So like you said, you will never regret making the better decision. You know, we're just going to err on the side of caution decision. You will never, ever regret that. And the other thing that as you were talking, I thought it's so important that we are self-controlled and make sure that we are well-spoken when we are responding to things, even not, you know, with a, a large platform, but just in threads and stuff. I see so much where I'm like, the self-control is just missing. We are reacting. We're so prone to react just immediately. And when one person's having a bad day and reacts, you can have this, you know, chain of hundreds of responses that are just like insanity, especially as believers, because we tend to wrap those ill thought responses in some kind of religious jargon, which just grieves me no end. Of course. But as believers, we we are giving such a bad reputation to our good Lord's name when we represent him that way. And we have got to be mindful of that when we are out there on social media reacting to people responding. That's just another really important area to make sure that we are well-spoken, well-said, as you note, all through your book. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is just not taking the bait. All of those are little baits. I mean, it's just like a little fishing line hanging out and you just think, oh, it's just one innocent little comment on the internet. I'll just make it. No one knows me in this forum. But the fact is, is that honestly, usually it's just better to stay out. Like you just, you know, and I talk about that. I said, one of my favorite things to tell people is you don't have to attend every conversation you're invited to. You're allowed to pick and choose your conversations. So if there's a conversation that's not going to be edifying, just don't just don't do it. Just keep scrolling. Just move on. And I even want to go back because I think the irony of talking about social media with kids is that people be like, your kids are on social media. You share them. <laughs> so can I just take a minute and talk about that for a second? Because I think it's important. Yes, you know, we are very aware of that, obviously. And one of the things that we've kind of put in place, especially with our older children who are very aware is one, we talk very openly about what I do on social media and what God we feel God has called us to do. And we talk about that as a family to their appropriate age level. They're very aware. Nothing is hidden. They know when something is posted. They know when something's not. And my older children, especially, but even it goes down to even like my six-year-old will say, if they say, I'd rather you not post that, whether I was going to or not. I mean, maybe I had no intentions to, you know, but they know that my camera is probably on a little bit more than a typical person. That is a healthy boundary that they are allowed to have. And that is a full stop. No questions asked. I don't care what your rationale is. I don't care if they're saying it out of wrong motivation. My answer is fine. Fair. Absolutely. That will not be posted. Now, on the flip side of that, you know, sometimes they're like, look at this cool Lego creation. Will you show all the people this? And I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, so, you know, but they are just, I always want my children to know that one, our house is an open conversation for those things. Mom and dad do have the ultimate sale, but when it comes to social media, you have a say and you're allowed to say something. And for what I do, that's fair. 
and they have that boundary and I respect that boundary and I'm so thankful for it because there are things that they feel comfortable with and I don't want them to grow up saying I was uncomfortable with that and she did it anyway. I want them to know that mom really represented the Lord well in what we did. And even as they grow older, I'm very aware of how much I show, how much I let into our home. And even Tim will say, he'll say, oh, that one's just for us. This one's just for family time. And again, all of that is fair. So I know there's an irony there. I'm always aware of it. It's always kind of a funny thing, but I do love to say that too, because I think it's important to know. Oh, yeah. And I really appreciate your your noting that because we on the other side can't tell what the dynamic of your family is, you know, beyond the frame of the picture. And so it's very good to hear that the kids are active participants in this. They are aware of their opportunity, but also of the boundaries that they are able to set. That's very good to know. And so I'm glad you clarified that for everybody. Yeah. And I think just as they grow older, hopefully it allows them to make those wise decisions when they choose that as well. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, we are running out of time very, very quickly, but I wanted to make sure that you let everyone know where they can find you and engage with you, but also where can they find your new book, Well Said, or along with your other books that you've done? Yeah, Well Said is out wherever books are sold. Um, Amazon, Christian Book, Barnes & Noble, all the places that you think of books are sold. You can probably find it there. Same with my children's books. But if you're on social media, like Leslie mentioned, you can find us at Martyr Farmhouse Family. If you're not on social media, totally great. We also have a website that's modernfarmhousefamily.com. And we share fun things there, whether it's recipes, encouragement, you know, where we're headed, a trip we took, whatever it is. We love to share there. We have a newsletter that goes out monthly. So however you connect with us, I just want to say we're grateful because we love connecting. We're people of connection. We're social people. And it's very much a joy for us, however we come across and get to meet you. Well, thank you. And thank you for spending the time with us today. It's been a delight. And I'm sure that I am not the only one who's felt that way. So I appreciate your taking the time and just wish you guys all the best as you know this book continues to go and we'll see what doors God opens for you in the days ahead. Yeah. Thanks so much, Leslie, for having me. Well, you're very welcome. And to the rest of you, thank you for joining us today. You know, we talk every single episode about how the Great Commission starts right there at home. And you have such an opportunity as a parent to shepherd your children's hearts. And as you start looking at the words that are spoken, the way that you're engaging with one another in your family, the way that you are thinking through those conversations and just training and teaching your children to use their words, there is great power in that, not just for the now in their relationships with each other and with you guys, but also that will be such a great foundation for them in the days ahead, giving them a solid foundation for a faith that will stand in uh, difficult times, a crazy culture and all the other things that they are liable, likely actually, to face in the days ahead. So I encourage you, pick up your copy of Well Said. Check out Sarah's stuff on Modern Farmhouse Family, whether it be on her website or on Instagram. And then I hope that we get to see you all at a Teach Them Diligently event this year. There's truly nothing like getting together with thousands of others who are actually making decisions that look a lot like the ones that your family is making. And the fellowship and the fun that we share is next to nothing. So go to our website, get your tickets today. We look forward to seeing you in Pigeon Forge or Branson next May. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast 
helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more. So check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. 